Matt B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. And we're live. Welcome back. Welcome back to Lat B MMA. As always, I'm your host, E, here with the big C, living it up in the high life UFC golden era, back in full effect. We're getting fights every weekend till the year. What a weekend we've had. What unbelievable matchmaking. We got another weekend coming up. How have you been, Chaney, since we last met on Saturday talking about these fights? You know, I am hanging in there. We have had excitement in our hood over the last 24 hours, but everybody's A-OK. So we are still living the American dream in these parts of the FLA. So how are you? Staying as busy as a humanly possible, especially trying to get in some of these tape study cram sessions with so many fights. I mean, your boy has educated himself in a full schedule on top of work and then the podcast. I love it, but it I mean, it's heavy. And then the world, the, the world being a little crazy doesn't help. Yeah, um, I would really <laughs> like to go and play a game of Golden Tea World. I even feel like I might go to church if they open it back up again. <laughs> I'll look for any excuse. <laughs> I'm like, what's open? What's open? Oh, it's easy. I'm pretty sure it's easy to find one of those churches that's underground where you have to look at the old lady and be like, give me two biscuits and a sandwich. And she's like, all right, come back here. The underground churches might be what has gotten us in these problems. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right there. <laughs> so what else is going on? We have another fight card. Alistair Overeem, Augusto Sakaya, heavyweight headlining it. It's going to be 10 bouts all the way around, but this day and age, I mean, we're holding on by the skin of our teeth that if it stays 10, it'll probably be 8 to 9. But it's okay when we're having five fights on Tuesday as well. Not even that. Not even, mind you, Tuesdays. I can barely get any homework done because I got to watch the White Contender Series. And I'm trying to do my paperwork. But, um, you know, switch hitting kind of gets me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what was that? About? Ah, damn it. I just wasted two and a half hours. I just wasted three hours. <laughs> I haven't watched one Dana White Contender Series this season. I've only missed, like, one of those. So... Living the dream over here. Living the dream. I mean, I'm absorbing as much as I can. And with that, it's really interesting that the MMA Twitterverse isn't really, for me, been that popping lately. Maybe it is because I have a really full schedule right now. But in general, I feel like calling fighters out right now and fighters getting in squabbles, the uh, turnaround that they have that they could potentially fight, it doesn't seem like a buildup. The only fight I'm really looking forward to in, to in the near future is Woodley-Covington. Other than that, I couldn't tell you a headlining main event. Woodley-Covington I'm excited about. Adesanya Costa. Adesanya Costa. Yeah, I don't know anything else even going on. <laughs> and we have fight cards every single week. <laughs> is there anything so. even happening in the UFC right now? 
there's going to go to uh, Abu Dhabi here again soon. I think this is finally one of the last U.S. cards for a little while. We're going to have a lot of European fighters, so a lot of short-notice replacements, debuters, the tape footage is going to be horrendous because it's going to be like crazy low-level guys coming in there, I feel like, but that's about it. I think Dana White talked at the Republican convention, if you want to talk about that at all. He was in there repping his boy Trump. Uh, oh, yeah, because of the sports thing. For the second time. Yeah, I think he was he the guy who introduced him or just spoke? It's so weird. No, he it, just it spoke at the RNC. All, both of them were kind of strange because everything seemed either like DNC and RNC. People aren't here to talk about it but <laughs> or hear about it. I, I just thought it was crazy. <laughs> they all seemed kind of pre-recorded or something. It wasn't like conventions. It Salute. was like this. <laughs> It was Dana like White they had a Democratic would, national podcast and a Republican national podcast. It felt like Dana White. Everybody else was in a three-piece suit in front of a podium. Dana White was in his office that we see on the embeddeds every single week with a shirt that he was just like, hold on, give me my sports coke. Hold on, give me uh, – oh, fuck it. We're doing it live. Let's do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. And all of us. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. Fuck. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> no. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can write it and we'll do it live. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks. It's so long. <laughs> so, not only am I a fan of Dana White with his gorgeous bald head, but World Winning Federation in there is also quite a fan. Thanks for being in there chats there if you haven't caught that stream that is premium electrifying content oh, at its maximum so be sure champ. to like and subscribe he is the champ champ for a reason we're coming for that mini belt you better be ready <laughs> the mini belt so. <laughs> <laughs> the mini belt is so funny <laughs> so mad mini belt i wonder absolutely if you can trade wonder. in a certain few mini belts and get a big belt like a ruby? Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to put a little shelf here for my mini belt. <laughs> for the mini belts. Absolutely. And then I'm going to take it down and put it over my shoulder. <laughs> oh, man. The fight pick I'm gonna championship. Have my, I'm going to try to have my animals wear my mini belt. Probably my cat should probably be able to wear what, it. Um, how did the fight pick championships go this week? I know we recapped a little bit on the fights of the round table. If y'all are looking for that, you can find it at the backlog network live, uh, on Twitch. Um, pretty fun show, but how'd you, how'd your weekend go? It went well. As far as the FPC is concerned, Grampy back came in first place. World whining federation got second. Yeah. Grampy, Grampy back, back got first again. Hard. Again. Again, I have a theory coming in strong over you know, here. The big E in three. I like to make theories. My theory is Grammy back is making those picks. He must be listening to Lap E. He must be doing what most of our competitors are doing and listening to the stream and, me, and not telling anybody and making them hot picks. <laughs> uh, it's, but, it's rare we're both wrong. So I feel like if. Lat B was my favorite TV show. Like if it was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and I knew us the way that I know Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle, I would be like, oh, I could make a perfect pick off these fools. Regardless of what we said, I would just know what we were saying. 
<laughs> absolutely. But it is absolutely true there. Winning is talking about it that uh, Grampy back last season couldn't string a third place in a week together. He was all constantly at the bottom, and now he's starting off hot two out of three weeks coming in first place. I mean, really coming in hot. As we're talking about perfection, got to throw some love out to Evan Montgomery, new in the series here, but landing a perfect pick on the entire night. 10 for 10. Atta boy. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. 10 for 10, I think three times, maybe twice in my entire UFC life have I gotten a perfect card. And not perfect where I got all the types right, just perfect the amount of fighters, you know, all the way through. All maybe the right twice, fighters. Maybe twice. So to do it right in the second week of the FPC part two, part deux, that's a big deal. That is. Congratulations on that. But if there's nothing else, we got a 10-card bout that we got to get into we already know who's headlining it. We know it's the big boys, but we always like to start at the bottom, at the toes of the problem, and that's going to be Brian Kelleher coming in against repl short-notice replacement Kevin Navida. Navita. Quicksand in here Navida. is... <laughs> it isn't Navita. <laughs> it's Nativa. Um, Nativa. I'm not looking at it like, yet. <laughs> It sounds just like it, but it's pronounced a bit different. Coming out of Tempe, Arizona, the Arizona Combat Club, the 9-1 and one veteran pro as fought Andy Perez in LFA, Casrada. Before we talk about Tom. it real quick, can I just go back sure. into the Grampy back because I just reread World Winning Federation's uh, thing that he didn't get anything right all season. <laughs> no, yes, he <laughs> he's in first place two weeks. Um, I kind of think that's true. Do you think Evil Eddie's giving him his picks? <laughs> <laughs> shade. <laughs> Throw in the shade. I know. Who, who do you think he's listening to to get good picks? Lap B is what I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and if so. anyone's listening out there, uh, if World Winning's still by his keyboard, do we sound okay? And take your time on that. Go through the fight. So, as I'm saying, the short notice replacement coming out of Tempe, Arizona, 9 and 1, LFA standout. Only loss ever is via Sound Like Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that evil tweet on the boards in the comments? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he's just coming in. Decision type of fighter. Got a couple knockouts in there. Not a lot of power. We'll throw some body kicks in there. Switches stances, but doesn't have a high amount of volume and not a lot of power. He will go to a shot, but it's really slow and telegraphed against Kelleher here. He's better on the ground, better standing, and fought so much better competition. Been able to go hard three, where Navida does start to slow up at, on the regional LFL scene and LFA scene, let alone the UFC. So a lot of people have a big reason to be the favorite here, Kelleher. For everything, we tell you guys to stay away from these usually, but I feel like Kelleher, Kelleher could be a solid play here throughout the night, uh, seeing as he's got his opponent outmatched everywhere. Where do you think you're going to go with this one? You know, I'm usually 100. I stay away from all the first fights of the night, but 
I love Boom. I'm all about Boom. I'm all about Brian Kelleher. I've made so much money with Brian Kelleher because even when he loses his fights, he usually hangs on enough and throws enough punches to like get me a 40-point, 50-point loss. Uh, I love Brian Kelleher. I always play him on my cards. He's always worth the money. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to play him here. I'm going to play Boom, 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 Boom. For 9,200 on DraftKings, minus 180 favorite is Brian Kelleher against Kevin's 7,000 plus 140 underdog. I could honestly see that being steamed up even uh, more. You I know could what's see crazy? I don't think I've ever paid over 8,000 for Brian Kelleher. You might be right there. He's It's super short notice as well. I mean, without a week with no UFC caliber competition on there where Kelleher is in there against the elite and only losing to the elite. Here's one. So, Do you think this is a gimme fight for Boom because he's such a company man? He's showing up on short notice fights, being there when he needs them, and he's fighting a guy that typically fights at 135. I don't think it's going to be an issue. No, do you just think it's going to be even easier for him to win? He's going to be even bigger in there. Uh, that's why I feel like the line could even be a little more spread out to that easily minus 200. It's minus 180, and I'm like, I don't see where this guy, other than a decision, gets out of here. So Kelleher's super live for the finish, not only on the ground, but striking here. So he's just got too many check marks, if not all of them. Who Really um, didn't see too many spots where he's going to get in danger. How do you have it going? I got Kelleher. I had decision, but I think I got to put my money where my mouth is. And I see a submission. If Kelleher gets this to the ground, he just looks like he's so much more comfortable. And that's where he's really looked the best out of all of his wins. It's always with that guillotine front headlock choke series, wearing guys out, and then, you know, darsing them up even if he needs to. So finish Kelleher. I got Kelleher D right now, but I think handedly. I had all decision. I got submission round number two. I could move that to one. Are you partaking in the Cajal tonight? I am. What are you drinking? I am. I got a Pendleton whiskey. Whiskey. I have not partaken in the spirits um, to lower my vibration in quite some time, but I got a little Buffalo Trace tonight. I needed it after the day that I had. Um I would go into it more specifically if you're a friend of mine out there. I'll shout it out or talk about it, but um, uh, I don't. I don't even know if it's finished yet. I don't even want to talk about. We it. might be on the news. Just saying, our we might be on the news. <laughs> I just wanted you to know, for reals, if the news trucks came down the street, I had already planned my whole. Um, <laughs> And I actually text your girl and I was like, oh, I got to get it ready to do my save the children shit outside. And she said, I got to warm up to say fuck her right in the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, That's damn, Trump. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. He didn't say grab her. It didn't say grab her. <laughs> <laughs> this was even worse. <laughs> she so, took it to the next level awesome. but it just yeah, if you yeah. guys knew his girl she does not say that kind of stuff so it really like, <laughs> i needed it this morning yeah it was a little tense definitely but a way we can soothe that pain is going to be with some extracurricular violence in the octagon small cage 
is acquired, is enforced. Little Cage has just been getting us a ton of finishes, not only in the Contender Series, but I feel like throughout these nights, last weekend as well, we had a ton of finishes, ton of submissions, and I feel like we've seen a lot of that in Vegas. So a lot of these, I feel like, decisions that I usually would play out when the guys, uh, when there's a big advantage on the ground specifically, I feel like I'm going to be more likely to start to bet those guys a little more inside the distance. But nor here, nor there, at 135 pounds. We got Cole Smith coming in against Hunter Azur. Azur coming off of his first loss ever to Brian Boone Kelleher. Left hook three months ago, where he was finished cleanly. Prior to that, he beat Katona, beating the Contender Series as well. Having a good, um, who is a manager in there, Azur, being an MMA lab guy. I do feel like he cross-trains at elevation. He's a TJ Dillashaw guy as well. Um... So, really surprised that going back and watching that Kelleher fight, I mean, the gas tank is what did it for Azur. He was done after that first round. He did come in a little short notice, even had a replacement or two in there. So, uh, that's what set up the finish. Also, Kelleher going to the body hard and getting in some good grappling exchanges. I just uh, think that the hype was on Azur a lot, lot more. And now in the UFC... I think he's just going to be a lot more of a decision fighter than uh, a real nasty finisher in there. Um, Cole Smith, though, 7-1, also coming off of his first loss in the UFC ever to Miles John. Split decision where he got outgrappled prior to that, beating Mitch Gagnon a year ago. Cole Smith is a big 135-er in there. Going to be three years older he does have three inches, but he really uses, he doesn't have the arm length, but he uses his weight well. He really wears his guys out and he packs a punch even in that third round. Um, so stylistically, I think there's a lot of hesitation for me here against Azur because Azur will, if he starts to gas the way he will, did he, in that Kelleher fight, Smith has the power in the third round to be able to finish him. Um, but Smith can get neutralized and just really boring grappling but azur's kind of been at the outside picking fighter i am not comfortable with the line minus 205 for azur even though i'm picking him decision i think cole smith is super live here and i would be way more comfortable paying minus 130 125 uh cole smith is live and for the finish at that so i could take some shots on smith here who do you think you're taking out of this one i think it's a desperation move on azur's part um to go down and wait I don't understand why you'd make a move even further down. He looked like a big guy at 145. I think Cole Smith, in a weird way, like Brian Kelleher, underrated dude in my book. He's one of the, like, little dark horses I'd put in um, if I if you could make a fantasy for the year for UFC stars. He'd be one of the people that no one would pick. No one would want Cole Smith, and I'd be like, I'll take him because no one sees it. He's a little dark horse the same way as my boy Boom. Uh, I got Cole Smith decision. I think he's a well-rounded grinder. I think he comes just as hard in the third round. I think your boy Azura is going to um, – gas this is a good line for me i'll have to stay away from mm -hmm. kelleher because he's such a favorite but i'll be going with cole smith i like what you're saying i mean i'm right there i can even see myself switching depending on weigh-ins also something i didn't like to bring up that we tend to run with a big narrative here if you've been knocked out especially the first time ever take eight months take a year don't go down don't get wait. in there three months don't go down and wait. Don't go down there in three months. All right, I'm going Cole Smith. You convinced me, Cheney. You had a great argument there. 
Yeah. So three months. I got to go more dehydration. Absolutely in there. So give me Cole Smith as a huge underdog there. Again, I'm not comfortable with that minus 205. The line is off there against Smith. Give me Smith TKO round number two. Wow. Dirty one. Dirty one, dirty one. That one's fun. It don't matter. That's five. Bit. We're getting to the five big championship. Yeah. So get it all out now. Get <laughs> so, it all out now. So then we have a really interesting dynamic oh, at 265 pounds. <laughs> so this is definitely a you said get it out the... now so i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> for the ages must marco rodrigo de lima coming in against alexander romanov the debuter king kong in here is a perfect 11 and oh the moldovan 29 year old is coming in with all sorts of accolades he's one of those who did we just see who got a nasty knockout the other week that i told you docus that I was like, hey, guys, Dawkins is quick. He's got fun hands. He's going to beat some lower-level guys. He's just – he's really athletic. Got that one right. Romanov is going to be one of these guys that's super athletic and looks like he should be a 205-er. He's just like very – even though he's as wide as a refrigerator, he still has that belly fat, but he moves incredibly well. He's got – a very clashing type of style where there's going to be a lot of headbutts with Romanov's fights. And I'd even say, watch out for it in this fight against Lima. But he just, when he goes for his double leg, he puts his forehead right in the middle of your chest. So when the guys duck in, he just flat out cock hits him right on the chin. Um, but it'll usually go right to full mount. And I've seen him get a scarf hold, a guillotine, not a guillotine, a, uh, forearm choke with just pressure a rear naked choke with no hooks in so he's fighting bums of bums in here he's getting submissions against guys that are tapping due to pressure instead of actual skill so you got to take that into account somewhat but i have seen him get into those second and third rounds before um even though some of them are bums and against delima here he's somebody that i've been trying to fade for a very long time moved up from 205 has got a glass jaw but good muay thai has got a couple wins wrestling against horrid, horrid fights in there. I mean, some of the worst tape you could ever go back in there and watch. Last beating Ben Sassoli, the combat wombat TKO. I like Sassoli. Um, Delima, when he lets that right hand go, it does have a ton of power. And Robinoff has never felt anything like that. So... I think the line's right. I like Romanov in this spot to get the TKO, especially if it gets to the ground, because Lima will give up, especially if it gets to his back. Um, but striking, I gotta be a little hesitant. Those first, that first minute, first two minutes, Lima's ultra live. If it gets to the ground at all, it's Romanov's fight. I got TKO round number one. I think you gotta have exposure to both sides of this. I think it's a finish, regardless. In side the distance you got to pick one side i'm gonna have l a lot less delima than i will romanov uh, who do you think you're gonna be taking in this one? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> i think so, we will uh hello hello howdy howdy breaking up the party right now we were just talking about 
DeLima versus Romanov in only the third fight of the night so far. Oh, wow. You guys are still extremely early. I'm, uh, I'm a little pressed for time, and uh, I figured I'd uh, make a, a quick. It's been a while since I've gotten to give you guys some solid uh, picks. You yeah, not since now. your last losing week. <laughs> You're loud and what? <laughs> Hiding oh. out from your last losing week. Oh, my goodness. No, last week we both did this horrible as each other. Weakneck actually took the show two weeks consecutive to that. I've had some of the poorest showing I've had all year. Um, and really, it just the cards changed so drastically last minute that... I believe it on that and solely that. It's kind of fair. The cards have been a little garbage. I mean, oh, a little garbage. They've been they've been the worst. Um, so, absolutely, I'm uh, I'm not quite sure. Like you guys just said, which uh, which fights you're on for right now? I'm kind of liking this Chael P. Sonnen um, look for you of driving and doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Well, I'm on, on my way to coach, uh, yeah, what is it, our, uh, what, 10-year-old girls soccer club. So, awesome. unlike, uh, unlike annual, I uh, like to contribute to our community, not uh, shiver in fear uh, for whatever, whatever miscreants he may be hanging around or whatever disheveled area. I don't have to deal with that. I have to worry about getting kids to soccer practice on time and then making sure they. What a riveting life. So back to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your dirty, nasty picks that you want to talk about before you got to go do all of your parental duties? Uh, it, well, it depends. I, I didn't get an opportunity this week due to uh, other obligations, like a working job again, that uh, you might not know of, but um I just wanted to hit some high points. I, I wasn't able to get my statistics out or or uh, compare. I just got a couple fun fights that uh, I don't. I haven't even looked at lines. That's how busy I've been. But the um, who is that? Uh, get to a junior, uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a hard time. I'm I'm doing several things right now. Uh, yeah, thinking and driving. Oh, yeah, I, I can't pronounce the dang name. Is it Peralta or uh, Pineda? Pineda? Versus Medaya? Exactly. That fight right there, I think it's just going to be a highlight fight. They're both knockout artists. They both can't hardly make it past the uh, opening round. And I think Omagayoff Omagayoff is being fed as a showcase fight. I think both of them can put each other out with ease, but I I really think it's this is a fed fight for Peralta to showcase his unique style. And I think it's going to be one of the funner fights of the night. I'm not saying it's going to be technically a fantastic fight. I think it's just going to be more of a knockout uh, uh, reel. Like, hey, let me... oh, yeah, absolutely. What, one, one way or the other, I feel one of them will get put, put away. Now, because I say that, it's probably going to go to the nasty decision that um, Pineda lost this last time. But I, I just think that that fight in he itself. He lost DQ, by the way. He got DQ'd? He got DQ'd for illegal knee on the grounded opponent. 
oh, well, Diego Sanchez, sorry. It was the fight before that where he took a dude on, like, 24 hours notice and then right. lost to Trish a guy. Right, Trish Connolly. Yeah, Do some research, fights. kid. He cried like a I'm bitch driving. all the way to the octagon and danced and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Conley drove, uh, or what is it, was crying and losing it. And, hey, you know what, though? He weathered a storm. Um, I don't know that we've seen him in there since, but that was uh, one of just uh, a, a fight I'm, I'm eager to see this weekend. Uh, there's a couple other undercards that are openers that I, I'm hoping to see, but with the way fights have been playing out this last three weeks, I mean, I'm literally not holding my breath for anything. And it's partially why I haven't really focused up until weigh-ins and even after weigh-ins can I really legitimately commit to picks because they are falling out that bad. It's horrible. Agreed. It's costing me at least a card every DraftKings that something gets messed up on it, and I'm like, shit, I'm going to get a zero before the fight even starts. The unfortunate oh, thing is it's an hour before the fight card starts. Yep, and I, I will give credit where credit's due. If it wasn't for Emmanuel shooting me a message, I'm usually doing something. Hey, check your DraftKings. This card fell off. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, thanks. But, I mean, I might be 13 cards deep in $1 tournaments, and then I'm looking, scouring through my cards, trying to figure out if I got the guy or not on it. And it just it just makes for, it makes for not even wanting to pay attention up until fight day. It does make okay, it hard. Okay, so back to the fights. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it does make it hard. One that I know you're going to want to talk about, their evil twin, is going to be Tiago Moises versus Jalen Turner. I know you got an opinion on that one. Oh, man. I do. I'm uh, I'm definitely torn between. I really enjoy Jalen Turner. His reach size for the division is hard to be matched. But Moise is absolutely a um, game fighter. And... Unfortunately, I'm going with Moises on this one, or however it's pronounced, solely because Turner is good, and he has the length, he has the reach, he's trained with Jones, all this stuff. But I don't think he has shown the ability to keep it off the ground long enough, and I believe that he does get subbed. Um, I hope he doesn't. I'm a fan of Turner, but I think, I think he's getting taken down, and I think he gets subbed because I don't think his takedown defense is quite there yet. Nice. That's definitely a, a not too big of an underdog, or definitely a solid favorite you're going in there with. Anything else profiled? It is only a 10 carter, so not too many options on here, and it really is one of the lower cards of all of these weeks put together, I feel like, coming up this Saturday. Do you have any weird picks of any uh, uh, plus money? Like I said, I, I really even haven't had a chance to oh, look at it. I, I think I'll... Uh, who's Metafield? Oh, oh I, before, I had him before. I'm still sticking with Metafield. I, I still think um, OSP uh, is just past his prime. And uh, Alonzo showed in his Devin Clark fight he showed he's able to keep it standing. He's show, He showed that he could get it back up if he needed to. You know, Devin Clark, his grinding style is to take you down and try to hold you down. So as much as Menafield might have looked like garbage for gassing, I still give him credit at the his ability to keep that fight upright 
when that was Clark's sole intention. That powered that coupled with his power and ability to hit hard and OSP just being a, a former shell of himself. And he's still a top, uh, I don't even want to say top 10, but he he hasn't been showing great. His uh, his veteran savviness is getting him through a lot of fights. But I th- if he can't get this fight down, I think Alonzo carries, and he showed he carried his power clean into later rounds. And I just, I think he puts out OSP. Same, same. All right. I don't know how I'm going to go with it. But before you head out, um, Overeem Sakai? Oh, again, th- this is very much so in line with uh, with what I just talked about with Alonzo and OSP. Um, I got to give, even though Sakai isn't a, like, uh, is it a hot new prospect? I've actually had my eye on Sakai since Bellator when he came in and uh, the success he had at Bellator. But I think he is new blood in the division. Um, Overeem has even said he's got limited time left and, and he wants to try to do what he can with the most of it. Um, I don't like Sakai's inability for finishing power, especially his last fight. He got a TKO doctor stoppage, but it was not an impressive victory for me. But I just can't trust uh, Overeem at this point. And this is more of a fade on Overeem than it is a a, a uh, solid, or I guess a uh, confident pick in Sakai. It's it's mainly a fade on Overeem for me. So you're having a new blood kind of night. I I am actually I absolutely. Well, in, but if you look at what the UFC is trying to do right now, is they are they're in that transition period with the contender series with the lack of star powers they have. Who do they have left? John Jones, that guy doesn't fight. You know, Cody Garbrandt, he's getting on the cusp. He gets he gets hit a couple more times, extra hard on the chin. He's gonna be just another freaking uh, Holesworth. Like it, the the new blood has to be re-entered, and they're setting at least to me the UFC is setting up these bouts to uh, to try to promote, to try to find a a a guy. It, the, the gap is getting pretty big, at least me personally. It's you're fighting a bunch of guys that are in their mid to late 30s up, up against a bunch of 20-year-old guys. There's a very, to me, there's a very broad range there that's not filled in. I agree. Definitely a lower level card this weekend. So definitely pass on a lot of big betting. Don't think you're going to make a lot of parlays because it's going to be sketch field for a reason. Again, they're is making this a names. Save this your is money night? Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I say just tune in to to watch some fights. I mean, yeah. it's just a good opportunity to just get some MMA in. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I do think though what I was saying briefly, with the divide, I think the lower promotions like Bellator, like LFA, and I know LFA is kind of a feeder, but they're picking up a lot of top talent in between. And I think the UFC is having a real hard time with that. I agree. I think the UFC spent so much time for a little while um, on their big, 
their big guys on their John Jones and their Connor McGregor's and all this. And they kind of lost all these underlings for a while. And so now they're in desperate mode, having to pull guys from the contender series and then throw them on fight nights and main cards all of a sudden and two fights. And, uh, I think you're, you're seeing these under these once undercarded events and Bellator LFA, all the ones you mentioned become like, Oh, these guys are legitimate. They've gone against better talent than a contender series guy with one shit fight in the UFC. Oh, 100%. And with the uh, with the guys on the contender series, the crazy thing is they have, they, I mean, I, I don't want to say it, but they have padded records. Yeah. So and that's it, nothing it, new to MMA. used to have. The UFC used to have a higher criteria for their guys. They like to avoid guys with padded records, but now they're doing the Floyd Mayweather where everybody's trying to chase a freaking perfect a perfect record. And it's just, I think it's a bad look for sports in general. You need that adversity to be able to grow as a complete martial or a complete athlete, regardless of it's MMA or not. You have to taste some of that negativity to ultimately stand out as a great Michael Jordan wouldn't have been as good as he was if he didn't lose a couple games and have that fire. I think we can all agree Sugar Sean did not lose, though, mentally. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think that's a good point in life. I think um, the getting a trophy for showing up isn't necessarily great and having this huge padded record and um, having this idea of being the undefeated fighter. Like, that's great for – what Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather is. Uh, it's, I think if you try to have that kind of UFC style of I'm going to avoid getting hit, you're Elias Theradoa. <laughs> and you're a ring card oh. boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're turning him on there. Watch out, he's driving. No, <laughs> uh, no, 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 not at all. It's uh, I'm actually where I need to be, and it's I got a couple more minutes. But, um, yeah, I just... I don't know that everybody gets a trophy, but God, Sean O'Malley, just Ben Askren, not that I'm a fan, but he he had it right. He's walking on a freaking hip after the fact, and O'Malley's claiming he's not hurt, and no X-ray, or X-rays and MRIs showed that his foot was fine. What it was was, hey, Chito showed up, and I called that fight. I, I called it with a room full of people. I said, O'Malley's going to break his foot or injure his foot because he's a vegan and because he quit. <laughs> and we saw it that night. <laughs> he listened to the show the whole week before because that's exactly what I said on the breakdown. No, that dude, are you kidding me? You can no, go no. back to the tape. You can go back to the tape. Well, I called. We have we have conversations and when we have those conversations you take my stuff knowing that i wasn't gonna be and you freaking boom you give it to the people i said it a whole like five days before you did on air <laughs> how did i take it you said it right before the fight supposedly <laughs> so you're sounding like right now <laughs> real baby back <laughs> did uh cheney did uh emmanuel go over his uh life-threatening experience this morning he lives like two doors down from me (laughs) (laughs) we we 
how did you guys not kick that door in yourselves and grab that guy by the scruff of his neck and bring him out for everybody to see? I didn't feel life threatened because it was a hoax. Be- I just felt like I couldn't get to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, I was just more right? stressed Staying out inside. that I had to call my boss and be like, hey, there's a situation going on outside my house and there's cop cars in my driveway and I can't pull out. Literally in the driveway. And you know, when one, I looked out, they point, said, get back in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> at one point, Emmanuel used to be a Marine. I rolled out, open no, my windows, once a marine, and I always played. A marine devil dog. <laughs> once a Marine, always a Marine devil. No, a Marine, you would have been, it wouldn't have mattered, butt-ass naked with a shotgun in that dude's house, getting him on the ground, ready to go. I, I don't know what you do for fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. If he comes in my house, naked. <laughs> then, then we can roll. Then we can absolutely roll. But no, I'm not looking for trouble. Those days are over. <laughs> Save it. I, I feel like, um, you know, on Braveheart, when uh, everybody's running and Mel Gibson's like, hold, hold. Hold. That's what I feel like in my life right now. I'm in if somebody like hold, <laughs> hold, because <laughs> something's gonna be like go. <laughs> but when I was looking at the tanks roll down my street, I'm like, well, okay. At <laughs> uh, least I can oh, see what I'm. <laughs> I guess we got tanks. I guess we got tanks in our neighborhood. <laughs> Oh, man, that's, you know, I live in Portland. I don't frequent Portland or at all. Don't go in. Just at nighttime. Oh, man. No, never. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'd be on a newsreel. No way. (laughs) No. You got to stay out of. um... But naked in a towel with a shotgun, apparently. Like I said, I'd be on a newsreel. A dad towel. No. Dad, oh yeah, a yeah, dad. No. They tuck their towel with the lightest little bit because they, it's like, whoop, and you're like, Dad, <laughs> tighten the knot. And on it's the over towel. the belly button. It's over the belly button where <laughs> yeah. it sits. Yeah, well, that's where uh, supposed to sit. <laughs> yeah, you and Daniel Cormier. So yeah, baddest man's on the planet, dude. That's what it is absolutely all right so we got an entire card though essentially keep on breaking down <laughs> unless you got anything else <laughs> yeah well i appreciate it sorry it was a, a little hasty there um i i'd like to prep if i can for next week it's been crazy here i'd rather the... you save it for the big fight cards when you have time this one it's almost like we should all probably be coaching a team instead of watching this card <laughs> Uh, absolutely Emmanuel well Emmanuel in general could just needs a life coach so after I'm done I'm a life coach you're what I coach my own life no it's pretty Uh sweet you're a you got a losing score buddy (laughs) (laughs) depends on the eye of the beholder there Yes. All right, guys. You guys have a good rest of your night. Uh, best of luck with the picks. Um, I'll I'll try to break down some more stuff next week, and uh, I'll I'll throw up my picks, even though they probably won't hold because the fight will change. The 
my card will change three more times before then. I know. It's so true. So make sure you're following um, you where? At Twitter is one one. Um, but I will be sure to tag Lat B and uh, Zoltini, Zoltanite, uh, <laughs> whatever it is. I... So, all right, you guys, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and i was about to go into all of the cod saves on you don't understand how much he relies on me to try to win at cod ever <laughs> are you getting better at cod oh a lot better where i'm pretty much owning the team and being the captain of the team <laughs> and pretty much getting the best kd rate on the entire squad oh shit it's getting real <laughs> it's getting real <laughs> absolutely real living a fat crew out there so that's a whole nother topic so definitely the big z rolling it deep out here we were talking about freaking delima versus romanov eight thousand four hundred for the debuter romanov delima is going to be seven thousand eight hundred the favorite no way let me get the real lines it's saying lima's the favorite right now but i think those are outdated let me see the actual real-time scores here the lima being the minus one or the plus 110 underdog minus 130 romanov so for that debuting fighter cheney do you think you're going to be playing romanov at 8400 anywhere i hate the lima I don't know if I've ever gone with him. And if I, anytime I have gone with him, he's lost. So any, all of his losses are probably the times I went with him. I don't know anything about Romanoff except um, my wife watches the show about Vikings called, it's on Netflix, everyone. It's like, I don't even want to, something kingdom, the last kingdom. The This big bitch, King Kong, Alexander Romanoff, looks like the lead Viking. Um, so I'm going to go with him purely on that reason. And for my massive hate for Delima, I have Romanoff submission round one. He could do it. I picture a front he... choke. front Like he's going to hurt him. And then just, what's that one called? No. Uh, Under the, like right in the esophagus front. Yeah. Or the, like standing, standing guillotine. Guillotine. There's also all sorts of go-go chokes in there. But uh, Olenek versus Maurice Green, that scarf hold where he got him by compressing his chest and lifting his head up, Romanov has a couple of those in his career. So super greasy fight. I got Romanov TKO round number one. As I'm saying, I'm going to have a 10% exposure of Lima, probably in that 30 to 40% on Romanov, but again, that's going to be in like three to four cards over the weekend. Not playing heavy anywhere on these. At 125 pounds, we have returning Montana De La Rosa coming in against Viviana Arujo. Arujo coming off of a big upset loss. Eight and two fighter losing to Jessica I'm not Evil. Anything I political, but Arujo. Look a little like your girl Kamala Harris in the picture on Tapology. <laughs> <laughs> they could be cousins for sure. <laughs> she looks like a more attractive version. She could be uh, Kamala Harris's daughter. Not a bad thing, depending on what side you're on. I'm not, not even a bad trying thing to say anything political. This is purely 
feature role <laughs> of her teeth. <laughs> they look similar. Well, maybe if Harris can scrap, it'll be good for her because she's going to need it. The 33-year-old Kira Rujo can scrap. The thing is that her gas tank looked a little suspect in her last fight against I. She really gassed after that first round hard. And Jessica I, with her really, I feel like, lack of volume just to output Arujo there, it was a short-notice replacement for Arujo, and she did have some trouble in the tra in the travel. But it was a big gas there, and she wasn't ever in danger of getting finished, but she just was flat out getting outworked. And you know how we feel about the evil eye here. We hate that bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> on to De La Rosa being 11 and 5. Having a mixed record, almost 500. Coming off of a win to Barella, who I absolutely hate in there. And last losing to Andrea Lee in a decision loss where she got outworked the whole time. So uh, De La Rosa... She and Jessica, I all was always that bad. Always, she just had a big following. Here we go. I is just one of the I best chances of all time. Jessica, I looked all right that fight. I thought that was her she one did. of her better looking fights. I thought she came out there and had a good game plan. I thought she showed good ring IQ, and I had her in that fight. So I watched it less biased than you. <laughs> 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 well, it was a great call because she was a big underdog there. Um, but here, the ability of keeping the fight where she wants it, Rosa will not have that luxury where her takedown defense isn't the best. She wants to get it to the ground, but that she has a good active guard game. But against Arujo, she's just shown on the ground that she has solid takedown or submission defense in there. And striking wise, that's where I feel like there's the biggest discrepancy in this fight. Arujo hits with a ton more power than Rosa. Rosa will even grab behind the neck and jump to guard when she's starting to lose by a lot. Um, but I see why it's minus 195 for Arujo. She's just the only real potential is on the ground, but I think Arujo still beats uh, Rosa there. So I see her outworking her, outpowering, and outgrappling her. I got a decision, though. I think this is still going to be a um mediocre score give me that decision arujo who are you taking in this one della rosa della rosa she's younger she has some improvement level to give me i've never liked anything arujo's ever show me in the ufc which is why i went with jessica i even though um as world when would say she became a self-chanting weirdo like I, <laughs> <laughs> she did True. but um I think she was a little bit of a head case, and maybe she needed that after that weird-ass knockout with Shevchenko. <laughs> that, like, I just replayed it in my head, and I was so glad to see it when it happened, but it gave me a little bit of humble for her. Even though she didn't speak, she was just flat out. Um, but I think Della Rosa is better on the ground. Her age, she has something. I think the Andrea Lee fight is the highest caliber that e either of the women have gone against. Um, Arugia got worked by eye everywhere. Uh, I also um, have always kind of thought that uh, Arugia has been overrated. Uh, yeah, I think it's an easy one for me. I'm going to go with... Della Rosa decision. I think so. so we got a could I dirty slate here as far as. Ooh. 
Hmm. Right now, I got a decision the other way, so technically a dirty split. The line, as I see him, I do feel like Elevation it's justified here. For Arujo with her husband. No, Mark not Arujo. Della Rosa. Or, yeah, for Arujo. Or, I mean, Wait, for, for Della Rosa. Elevation. No. <laughs> Della Rosa. She is. Um, I'm going to say husband, it. This though, sounds is... a little racist, but whatever. Arujo does look like her name should be, last name should be Della Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> They're both, well, Brazilian and Mexican. There's a difference. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say they were the same. <laughs> there is a difference. So, uh, I we love Elevation Fight Team, and that usually on itself. Look at the last. The only one who shit the bed lately out of Elevation is who? Austin Hubbard. Oh yeah, yeah. And the cross ties with Azure. Azure, who's earlier on the card, does train at Elevation. I guess it's just not his main camp. I get, right now, um, and it could be. But, uh, yeah, that's the only other one. Dotson coming out as the biggest underdog of all time lately. You know, I think you're not wrong there at all. So, MMA Mark showing up in the chat right before the Fight Pick Championships, trying to get some of them hot information right before the main event card starts. Before that, though, almost missed the DraftKings. Real quick on this one, you're going to end up paying... For De La Rosa, 7,300 as the underdog against 9,000, 8,900 for Arujo. I see a decision. You see a decision. The value's on Rosa. I don't see any value on Arujo there. So I'm going to probably stay away from this one in general. This is um, Buddy's favorite fight of the night. <laughs> he always loves a good lady fight. <laughs> <laughs> So, doing what you got to do in there. Who do you think, uh, do you think you're going to have any uh, DraftKings exposure to this fight since you are picking the underdog in De La Rosa? I am, I'll play De La Rosa on one or two. I'll probably only play like three or four cards this week on DraftKings. I'll put De, De La Rosa on one or two. I can't go too heavy in the paint because I don't picture being a high scorer. If I picture somebody getting a flash sub in the first 10 minutes of the fight, I do picture it being De La Rosa. I don't see either fighter getting a flash knockout. Um, so then it goes to decision, and it's how high output is. I think they both could be kind of safe bets where it's 70 points, 50 points. Even though they're not two people I'm high on normally, right. I just think it could get to that sloppy output that they give the weird significant strike numbers where it's like, look at, she threw 53 punches and they're all significant on DraftKings. It, it's really interesting, especially with the all of the late replacements and all of the short notice fights coming out last week, specifically the cards that won had Lamas and Algeo on it. They stacked a three-rounder, and it ended up winning the entire card. So, untimes or uncertain times comes up for uncertain cards. You got to do some of that crafty-ass shit in there to get there. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have any problem this week. I feel like I pick every underdog <laughs> except for Brian Kelleher. <laughs> I can afford. I can afford boom everywhere. Absolutely. So. Then we go into the headlining preliminary bout with Bartos Fabinski coming in against Andre Mizu. 
Mizu being 19 and 4, coming off of a win against Antonio Arroyo in a close decision nine months ago. Prior to that, being on the contender series twice, winning via submission finally a second time before being asked on. The 30 year old out of Brazil uh, comes out of the Tata fight team. We know some of those guys. Formerly, Oliveira was there. Who else is over there? I feel like um, Tiago Trinaldo. And a couple other of those, uh, Patrick Aileen is in there. So some good level in there. Um, but Mean Use doesn't blow you out of the water anywhere. He, he's a jack of all trades, master of none. Formidable submission defense, formidable submissions. But his takedowns aren't the best. And his striking, even though it's good and he has power and he wings into it a little bit much, um, there is openings for takedowns against him and off of his back. He's not necessarily the best against a good grappler. He can get kind of held down a bit, even though he did that a lot of his other matches. Now at the UFC against really good grinders, I feel like he's going to have a lot of stylistic hard matchups on the ground um, and striking again, nothing that really sticks out to me. So here in the butcher Fabinski, here's a guy 15 and three little later in the two, longer in the tooth at 34 years old. He's, Coming in off of a win at Cage Warriors, the Darren Stewart, which was a UFC fight that was canceled, and Cage Warriors allowed them to fight. So technically, it's a UFC bout in my eyes because it was about to be a the UFC dentist. bout. Nothing changed. The, I like the dentist. I, you know me, I, I didn't think they should have cut fights. him. Did they cut him? Absolutely. No, they didn't. Oh, okay. I don't think they did. Never He's mind. got a fight fake, coming up against uh, Holland. The dentist in Holland are fighting next. That's a, that's one that just got booked. So, either way, Fabinski though, out, he's a grinder. He likes to wrestle a lot. He uses his striking to get to the takedown. Has a good double leg, switches to a single well. Once he's on the ground, he's heavy on top. Need that he did that against a good wrestler or a serviceable wrestler, which I think Stewart is. So, in that fact, uh, I feel like my stylistically this thirty twenty seven Fabinski, but I do think it turns into a big grind. Give me the plus one minus one sixty favorite Bartos Fabinski in this fight. Who are you going to be taking in this one? I am easily going with Fabinski decision. I do think Muniz is um, enough of a fighter and uh, to stick around the entire fight, but I do think uh, the butcher is going to add up them points, add up them points, add up them points. Um, it's kind of easy for me. Even though I'm not going to go super heavy with Fabinski just because um, I don't know him that well, but I respect the shit out of Darren Stewart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that does play a big role in that one. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the decided favor here. 8600 for Fabinski against Muniz. 7600 Fabinski's the type of guy who got six takedowns against Darren Stewart. So I feel like he can get six easily here. If not, it's going to be three, but there's going to be a lot of ground and pound and position and grappling uh passes for Fabinski in this one so he's the side out of the two but it is going to be a little steep for me uh I'm going to be limited only on the Fabinski side as far as DraftKings heard any yes. exposure same 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 I'm all with you on that one so then we get into the main card also better known as the fight picks championships 
what we're all here for, for all the mini belts in the planet. The number one <laughs> mini belt holder that's at the end of the season is going to be a raping supreme smackdown all over everyone's candy asses. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know that we've been showing up hard. We've been in that top three, all three weeks, consistently up there. But again, we need to start knocking down these number one spots. But the competition's gotten a whole lot better. Well, you know what? Last year, I um, was a little playtime. Like, oh, started out, and then, like, Ricky and Buddy came in hot early in the season. And it was a little playtime for me. We still... We're using the whole card to bet on DraftKings more. The more that we've been doing the Fight Pick Championships, I've been leaning heavier, 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 heavier into the main card. And since then, DraftKings has come out with a main card only. And I've been finding myself mm -hmm. in the money more, especially when you finish in the top three on the Fight Pick Championship, just so as you guys know out there. Um, and these are for people even not in the Fight Pick Championship, but you hear us talk about it all the time. I would even say if you finish in the top four on Fight Pick Championship, you're almost guaranteed to be somebody that finishes in the money on DraftKings if you play those main card fights. What would you say on your hot nights? Have you been doing okay on the DK? I have definitely started to make a bit of profit. I had those two... two garbage weeks where it would only be one opponent or one player that really knocked me down um but in general it's been tough just because of again this covid world we're in and all of the craziness people pa testing positive and not and eating and missing weight i mean weigh-ins it's hard to find weigh-in footage on some of these things live on the day like I, it definitely is is something that's fluid in here. So I think that everybody's stepping up their game to an extent, if whatever way they can. So it's fun. You know what it's I will normal. also say um, in my contrarian brain, every single one of the weeks that I really shit on the card going into it are the ones they surprise me. And every single one of the cards that I'm like, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't, has been like this watching it. Truth. Six or like, well, how many submissions last week? That was crazy finishes. Like, I don't care who the names are. Just give me finishes. We'll think even about like, look at DC Stipe. You want to see that fight again? No. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like all those, <laughs> all those fight cards that you were super stoked about them coming and you couldn't wait for. And those kind of cards have all kind of shit the bed. Whereas all the fight cards that just seem like sleeper fight cards have really shown out. So I'm hoping this fight card will show out. And I heard you talking about it with Evil Twin going further up on the card. And we're about to get into it with the Fight Big Championship. There are a couple cards, including Fabinski and Muniz, that excite me a little bit that i'm like those could be sleeper fun fights definitely and one that you are i'm assuming talking about is at 155 pounds tiago moises versus jalen turner this is easily a fight of the night contender in here super sneaky grappling on both sides of it the tarantula turner in here has not only a fun nickname because he looks like a tarantula with an incredibly long 75 inch reach at 6'3 155 crazy dimensions 
but he bred tarantulas where he had like a thousand tarantulas at a time and was like selling them on Craigslist and stuff. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Like he was (laughs) sleeping with boxes all over his house of tarantulas. I'm like, (laughs) all right. Well, to an extent, the really interesting thing that I know from some elite sports wrestling, maybe there was a theory at times that I've heard that the guys that win state, the guys that are at the top, the guys that are El Kukui are always a little weird because they don't do anything. But don't that's you think for... the genius of any craft, no matter what it is, if you're like probably Beethoven was probably a weirdo, probably Nikola Tesla was a weirdo. He was like in love with his pigeon. Pigeons. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like probably everybody that was a genius in their sport was probably slightly a weirdo. So Jalen Turner might be the next Nikola Tesla is what I'm getting at. <laughs> You're like, oh, he got a pet pigeon. So is Michael or, um, yeah, Mike Tyson, uh, because I call him by his proper name, Michael Tyson. <laughs> uh, is he genius? Right? Top of his craft. Genius for what he does. I don't necessarily think so, because he was one of those people that – the master was as much to do with the disciple. And we really saw when the master wasn't there, how it eventually fell off. He's given a specific ability, specific traits, but as far as technical recraft, Mike Tyson got in there and brawled towards the end, especially after his cuss days, he really got away from the fighting and worried about just throwing hands and that'll work. But when he got in real fights, just as Tedley Atlas says, he is Owen five in real fights. When a guy was able to take his shot, Mike Tyson didn't know how to think on the fly. I um, respectfully, I respectfully disagree, and I think Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson, Michael Mike Tyson showed um, genius inside the um, rink or what is that called? Yeah, hey, you want a hot pick? You want a real motherfucking hot pick that not a lot of people are picking? Hey guys, Chaney here. Just stopping in real fast to remind you to hit the like and subscribe. Also, make sure you follow us on all platforms at LATV underscore MMA. That's right. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, you can find us at LATV underscore MMA. If you need a little more Emmanuel, you can find him on most platforms at Zoltanite, including Twitch. And you can find me on all platforms at Weakneck Baby. So, Thank you for listening and back to the show. Well, <laughs> give me Roy Jones Jr. as an underdog in that fight against Mike. Give me Tyson. money all day on that against, against Mike Tyson. Hmm. Um, I, I didn't even take... know that fight was really happening. Oh yeah, it's still on. Uh, I um, I. There are things I don't think Mike Tyson was the when people say the best of all time or whatever they consider, he isn't in my top three. But I, for me, my That's like, I agree with that. but for me, my genius level of like boxing is like you know, twenty dudes. But he's a showstopper. Is he is because the my, showstopper my, of showstoppers. You know. Yeah, it's like 20 dudes, but like MMA, because of how much I love it, I might put my genius level with fucking 500 dudes. 
<laughs> you and for as far as anyone else, just look up Salvador Sanchez. Do some study on that motherfucker. God, that was a beautiful. That's what your Chavez got all of his from. But that's nor here nor there. That's so many other fun sports that I'm we a have. Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, that is my fave. Put your money on Roy Jones. Sugar Ray Leonard. Classic, classic. Definitely a great vault to look back on. And Roberto Duran, of course, in there. And of course, Willie Pep. Always got to go back to that Pep step. So. Turner could be one of those guys, but he's really just shown the lack of range at times. Even though he's really long, he doesn't use his length much, and his takedown defense is that good. He actually really likes to get to the ground. His use his front headlock series, a lot of triangles, darces from underneath there. But against the black belt in Moises, uh, Moises really thrives on the ground. He tends to uh, get the fights there. He's got a capoeira background. We'll throw some spinning shit in there every once in a while. Uh, he throws more looping punches, but lands with more power than Turner. I do like Turner's elbow in all of these exchanges. I think they could play a factor. But if it gets to the ground at all, I do think Moises has a big advantage, as do many people here. That's why he's a minus 200. Evil Twins in on this one as well. And it's really that lack of takedown defense. Jalen Turner is just way too comfortable in all of his fights because he will, instead of fighting off the takedown, he'll throw an elbow and try to get that knockout. But then all of a sudden, he's got a legitimate black belt on the ground, and he's folded underneath lesser grapplers. So that's why Moises, give me a submission round number two. I could move it up to round number one in here. Still a fight in the night contender. All sorts of craziness could happen. Who do you think you're taking in that one? I love I love your Moises submission, and if I'm going to change this fight around at all, I could totally see myself leaning into that as it goes. Um I think Jalen Turner's a little better on the ground than Michael Johnson as far as that goes, but Thiago Moises is just getting next level. He's one of, like, my favorite guys to watch. He would be in there with – he might be my new Shabazian. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to sell out any one lost person. <laughs> I want to be like you or at least stuck with um, – you stuck with Nardiev until he wasn't there anymore, and I think it will be best <laughs> for him. I think he'll come back better for it. Um, Absolutely, and we've seen really. a lot of guys that have been our favorites uh, leave the UFC for a little while and come back. Um, anyways, nothing to do with Thiago Moises. He's one of my favorite dudes. Uh, I love him everywhere, and it's a shame because I love Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner is um, such a great underdog fighter, and no one ever knows who he is. He's pretty well-rounded everywhere. I like him actually better than some of the people. I just think Michael Johnson's kind of on his way out. Um, but some of the, the other wins that Moises has, um, when I look at the losses that Moises has, when you look at Dariush now as being one of the losses, you're like, what's that? You know, Dariush is shot out of a cannon pretty much since that point. Ismail Gulov. Um, I also love him too. So that loss doesn't really burn me when I look at over at losing to Frivola, that doesn't make me excited. Losing to Frivola. Um, were we at that fight? No, we were at the Luis Pena fight. Um, losing to Luque does not bother me at all for Jalen Turner. I don't think Moises is as good as Luque is, but I, he's close. He's like, uh, a little he's left. a lesser Luke. I, I absolutely about, think you're right. Yes, I was he's thinking absolutely a lesser Luke. I just want to. It's Dang. like he's a little lesser. He's a little uh, lesser on the feet, better on the ground, but lesser Luke. 
No, I would say he's just worse on the feet than Luke A, but the same on the ground where he's super nasty on the ground where that's even, but it's just I think he's a little better than Luke A on the ground. Okay, okay, yeah, I, that's not just bad. A little, that's not wrong. Yeah, no, no, I, but I just really like Moises. Um, I like your submission. I have Moises' decision right now because I'm giving some respect to Jalen Turner. I, I want to move it now, even hearing myself say he's a little better than Luke A on the ground to submission, and I also think... Because of the good striking, uh, he's Jalen Turner. Does he have quit in him? Is that why I want to go with submission a little bit? I'm going to go with, I want to say round three. But if you know you're going to quit, why go into round three? So I'm going to go with round I, two. Moises sub round two. Wow, put a bet on that because that's what I had from the start. We're going sub round two all the way around at Lat B Studio up in this BCF PC kicking off strong on DraftKings. You're going to end up paying for the minus 215 favorite, Tiago Moises, coming in at 9,000 against Turner, 7,200. Do you think you're going to put Turner anywhere for that cheap? Do you think he has a fighting chance? I don't see him, uh, I don't see his finish potential anywhere. Agre- kind of agreed with that. And I don't it's see lim- his... much more limited. Yeah, I don't see he's a guy that lays out tons of shots. The one the only advantage I give him in this entire fight is reach advantage. But with a guy like Thiago Moises, that just means you have a little more appendage for him to snatch up and get a submission on. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm with you on that one as far as that's concerned. Then we Eagle go Twin to talked the, about that fight a little bit. Uh, what did he? He did. Who did he, he have? He had Moises submission. I couldn't remember the round though. Okay. All right. But well, it, last time we all very, went with the three. All three had it. What he said it. He said Cheeto. We all three had Cheeto, right. which was a huge underdog. Yeah, BS story of him telling the dude. I said that literally right on our podcast. Like, thank you. I was like, I see an ankle injury happening in this. He's got maybe, weak ankle. Maybe sometimes when he watches the show, um, he thinks it's him saying it. <laughs> I get to, he's like, oh, it's, it's a mirror. That must be me. He I shows, his friends, he shows his friends and he's like, look, I said it. He cuts me out and he's like, look, I said it. <laughs> Can't believe the whining federation out there always looking to undermine my authority for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Under my authority. But a really fun one in here. One that we had the evil one talking about as well. We had Michel Pereira coming against Zelim Imadayev. Imadayev coming in with an 8-2 record. A two-fight losing streak. His first two in the UFC. Losing them to Max Griffin. And then to Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts via TKO nine months ago. The... Uh, who is he? He trains with uh, Frankie Edgar. Who is that? Ray Longo. Is it Longo, Sarah? No, no, no. God, I know where he trains out of. He's training in the States. I might be out of Longo up in that area. But either way, Imadayev came in if being known as... you need some time to think as... about it. Oh, Mark Henry. He trains for, uh, with Mark Henry. So... He's in there with the beat, with Frankie Edgar, with that crew of guys. And when he was debuting in the UFC, they called him Mini Zabit. So 
or no, they called him Zabit 2.0. That was his debut in the UFC. He came out as a huge favorite. Is really just kind of an anti-wrestler boxer in there. Has okay hands, not the best chin. Gas tank isn't as good as most wrestlers that we see coming out of Russia. And is really uh, just looked like he wilts. That's what happened against Roberts. And uh, wasn't able to show the translate the power against Roberts, who we said hasn't had a chin in years. Um, really interesting that he wasn't able to put him away. And against Pereira here, he's got a ton of power. He came in on a huge win against Hot Chocolate Roberts with that nasty finish, was able to eat those shots. He's a big fighter that's fought at heavyweight, but that was in an open series over in Korea. He has fought at 185 and got wins. He's a madman. He does the black flips. He does the spinning, kicking stuff. He actually showed in his last fight against Diego Sanchez after that Tristan Caldinelli fight where he gassed out that he could put a game plan together. And Diego Sanchez was getting 30-26 in there. Diego Sanchez was getting beat everywhere. Pereira was stuffing those takedowns, beating him, striking, almost knocking him out. But Pereira, instead of going for the finish, he would back up and just keep striking or out grappling Diego. Mickey Gall couldn't do that. There's multiple other fighters that Diego Sanchez has ground out as of late. So it's not a bad loss. Mickey it was a DQ. Boo. I just have to say it. Mickey Gall Truth. Boo. Truth. You're absolutely right there. But, but uh, he Diego... might be one of those dudes, in my opinion, like we just were talking about, that if he went to Bellator for a few fights and came back, I might be into Mickey Gall. I just think he needs a little less competition. It was so much, too much too soon. He was like, I'll fight CM Punk. <laughs> That's why. Right. So. And uh, probably what I should have seen in that is they're like, man, this kid sucks so much. CM Punk might be able to beat him. Yeah. And now he has a career in the UFC. So um, Pereira, though, in here, I really liked his tempered measurement. His He had a game plan. He stuck to it other than that knee. Other than that, he was putting together a good game plan. And I think he has way more power than Medayev. And Medayev isn't going to look to get it to the ground. If he does, I think Pereira is way more dangerous with his triangles and uh, literally with those heel kicks. Anytime Pereira's on the ground, he's throwing those up kicks as hard as he can in there. And I think I'm going to end up going TKO round number one, Pereira. I know that that's a bit of a hype train. I know a lot of people are, you know, saying, check your brakes. But I don't think uh, Imadayev is UC, UFC caliber here. I think that he was more of a namesake than anything. And we've started to see chinks in the armor in some of these Russian fighters. And I think Imadayev is soon to be out of there. And they are again, putting highlights as evil twin was saying together for some of these fighters. Pereira is one of those guys. Who are you taking in this one? I actually think Pereira is a guy with shit tons of potential. He's so young. He just went in there with, <sighs> He has tons of power, heavy knockout power. So he goes in and he gets a couple fights like that. And then he comes in with so much emotion. So he kind of burns himself out before he gets in the octagon. Um, and then he tried to put together a highlight reel. And that's kind of bullshit. But we, I, I, we're slowly starting to see a more and more measured dude. Even if it's just a tick and a tick at a time. So going in against a guy like Emadayev, who I agree with you, is... Even though everyone would say Pereira's the hype train here, it's actually Emadayev. <laughs> um, 
he I'm surprised this line so close. I think because of the patience Pereira showed in his last fight uh, with Diago, I think that shows like he has the power and he's getting the skills more and more each time. So I think he's more dangerous on the ground. I think he's more explosive on the feet. Um, I don't really see the potential of him getting knocked out. I see the more glass jaw leaning towards the lean. So I think give me Pereira round two. KO. I have that around one. I like what you're saying. I could be moving that a little bit as well. The only reason I agree with you, like round one, old Pereira. But I think he's just getting more and more measured and more and more... um, just a little higher ring IQ. He's one of those guys that we're going to see in the top level of things in a few years. And you know what? Imadayev, I don't hate him going in the future either. These are both young, talented dudes. I kind of like both guys, but Pereira is so young. He's like kind of the future of UFC. Like when you're saying the UFC needs a future, he's a guy that could really bring it. He definitely can have that highlight potential in many, many spots in here. But definitely on DraftKings, do you think you're going to be exposed at the 8,200 for the minus 185 favorite Pereira against Imadayev's 8,000 even? Yes. That's the lock. I feel like that's the lock for me. For 8-2, the line's off as far as DraftKings. We've seen a lot of bigger splits. I don't know if this line came out early, early in the week and it didn't move, but... The best thing about DraftKings, I feel like, in this whole last pandemic is that my stock has been going through the roof. (laughs) Your DraftKings didn't catch COVID. (laughs) Absolutely not. With the sports going on and everything, I mean, my $10 shares that I got have easily quadrupled at this point. Oh, with your stock. Your actual with real my actual stock. stock. And for people, if they still want to get down with that, because I still still think it's going to go up, up, up. And anyone that thinks because of NBA falling out or because of football falling out or whatever else is going on that DraftKings isn't going to go up, you're crazy because, you know, people that are going to gamble are going to gamble and they'll learn fighting right. just as easy as anything. So they have. what is the line they can follow? The ticker. Uh, it is at DKNG is the stock symbol on it. It's It just went up to like 43 today, which is an all-time high for it finally. But uh, we've been hanging out in like the $37, $38 range. But I and still, if you feel like dropping it, you don't have to at all. But just because this is the kind of shit. What, when you first said this, if you've been a longtime listener to Lat B, when you first gave our fans this information, how much was that stock Ten dollars and ninety cents. I mean, I quadrupled my investment and still going to be holding on to it. Still looking to purchase more because again, I agree with you. Hold on to it because if anything, they're going to absorb Fanduel, absorb you know. They're going to serious XM that shit. Right. So the reasons why they have some of the few lobbyists changing laws. Oh, yeah. Sirius and XM used to be two separate stations. 
for you youngins out there. So that's where I think um, DK will eventually absorb these other things that don't have it. And like Emmanuel saying, because of laws, there's certain states that allow gambling in their laws. But because DK has like this entertainment property with it, they're weaseling their way in to all those other states. It's a game of skill. Everybody knows that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it definitely stock advice. Six- DraftKings advice, fight pick championship advice, life advice. You're getting it all here at Lappy. Getting it all for free. All we ask is for a like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Love it. So definitely that $60 range is what we'll get to for DraftKings. So there's still time. There is still time. Then we get into probably the... Most likely fight to be the fight of the night in here. We got Carl Rosa coming in against Sajara Sarge Eubank. <laughs> the final lady fight of the night. <laughs> this is one that I am really not looking forward. Well, I guess I am just because I want Rosa to win. Just because I am a notorious Eubanks hater in there. The 13-3 and three fighter. It's coming off a four-fight winning streak because is Rosa. She... Has last one in the UFC, last two fights, split decision to approach Pio, last beating Melo in a decision. She set all sorts of records in the 135 division as far as output is concerned. Did Rosa in there? And as far as output's concerned, Sajar Eubanks, Sarge as they call her, comes out and has had a mixed bag. Being a notorious natural heel in there, the natural 35-year-old was a... Jiu-Jitsu, Purple Belt, Standout Champion, won all sorts of Mundials and stuff at a 165, came into the UFC, became a striker, but really is just not... She's not only had weight issues, but her gas tank has notoriously not been there as much as her fight IQ. I should have bet my girl, Betchy, in there. I don't know why I took her. It was too big of an underdog in that fight, but Betchy showed you what to do. Keep the fight striking. Sajar Eubanks has limited... Uh, boxing uh, only ability but IQ and she will just stand in front of you and not do much and on the ground she can get neutralized even though she is a good black belt at this point. She last came off of a win to Sarah Moras in a decision uh, but I hear here the specific volume for uh, Rosa is so much higher that you gotta end up going. She has a my or a 15% higher strike acumen to the minus 3.69 absorbed for Eubanks. Um, so Eubanks naturally loses striking bouts. And even on the ground, she doesn't necessarily always get the finish. But Rosa's has shown that she's a capable grappable or in there as well. Give me Rosa's decision. This is super gross. Uh, I don't like either one of these ladies. I'm going to stay clear away from this one. I'm pretty bummed out it's on my five big championships honestly (laughs) it's a gross one (sighs) 
I'm going with Sarge. I think this is an easy pick for me. If you look at Carol Rosa and the girls that she's beating, not one of them can you pull what they look like to your head. If you look at the girls that Sanjaya Eubanks is losing to, they're all girls you can pull their faces to your brain. And so I just feel like that says something. It says that she's fighting against higher caliber UFC strikers. And we were talking shit a little bit about like LFA and Bellator getting a lot of this new blood. But as far as women, go I still think UFC is getting the top-notch women fighters um, and Sinjara looked better in her last fight than she's looked in so long she looked like she took it serious out there her body looked shredded to fuck she didn't look like she had any weight issues on the scale that time it looked like it was an easy make for her I think she goes out there and I think she manhandles Rosa for three rounds I do think Rosa could be better on the feet but Sinjara is not going to let it get there I think she's going to take her down every time do some nasty ground and pound and keep her down there the whole time I think um, this is a weird underdog for me. I th I'm pretty sure Eubanks is the underdog. I'm going to go Eubanks' decision here. I think she at least gets two of the three rounds. Plus 140, Sajara Eubanks coming in against Carl Rosa's minus 180. So almost a two-to-one favorite for Rosa there. Seeing that volume, I think, is what other people are seeing there. But... We have it a dirty split here for a reason. I kind of see it as a dirty split as well. I don't think Rosa comes out of it. I think 29-28 either fighter is going to go. So, ooh, coin flip. Can't put minus 180 on someone that's a coin flip. So, stay or clear of that one on DraftKings, though. You're going to end up paying 8500 for Rosa against Eubanks, 7700 Do you think you have any exposure to Sarge on there on DraftKings for 7-7? Yes. Yes, I think she's going to get enough takedowns, maybe two around. I do uh, see her letting Rosa up. I think she's going to be the far stronger fighter here. Um, yeah, I could see myself playing her on. If I there was another fight of a weird girl that I'm like, I could play her on one or two. I would rather go with Sanjara here as my low input fighter that could sneak out a weird win. Um, I, I feel more comfortable as Eubanks as my underdog and she's a bigger underdog. So I'm like, it's more worth it. Oh, such a disgusting fight. I'm going to be sweating that one out for all the wrong reasons. I'm sure of it at 205 pounds. We have the co-main event of the evening, a rescheduled bout with Ovens and same crew coming in against Alonzo Menafield. We've already broke this one down a few times, uh, being rescheduled multiple times. OSP popped for COVID. Two weeks ago, he's clear now, so they're getting it back on. They both stayed in Vegas, trained at the PI, which is, from what I hear, the best training place you can find. Has everything and three square meals a day. So, um, really interesting what we see in the field with a little more preparation because he was taking this on short notice, and now he has two weeks to help get that gas tank there, which it was the biggest reason I was picking OSP in the first one. I think he could drag it out into that uh, second and third round and win a 29-28 type of a fight after Menafield doesn't finish him with that blitz that he usually has in that first round. As we usually said with the Fortis fighter here, Menafield has tons of knockout power, but was exposed against Devin Clark where he was out grappled two months ago. Some people say he can make a big ch change in his wrestling in that time. Um, others don't, especially at 32 years old. 
I am more on the at 32. I don't see the biggest changes, especially when it comes to grappling. So I think we're solid with what we get as far as takedown defense with Menafield. It's all the gas tank. And again, this being rescheduled only benefits Menafield in this spot. So I think I got to go with Menafield. I don't like it because I have OSP decision on my card right now. Going to OSP decision minus 105. Give me OSP 29-28. I got to watch weigh-ins for this one. Oh, I could be subject to change. This one, super sketched out on. Hate that it's on the Fight Pick Championships. I could wake up, go men a field tomorrow. Ugh. Ugh. I got a decision. Okay, here's some questions because I don't know where I'm going with it either. Obviously, if you listen to the show, I had St. Prue last time too. And I think I had St. Prue by a decision. I might have had St. Prue by, by a decision. Submission round three because um, he plays possum. He covers well. I think he can wear him in a field out and take some big shots early. Uh, the guys that he's losing to far more caliber. It makes me more nervous the more time that Minifield's had to get ready for this. And even though St. Prue lost to Ben Rothwell, does it matter to you that he lost to Ben Rothwell at heavyweight? Like, no, if anything, it. I like the chin that OSP showed in that because Rothwell with size hits real heavyweights are known to hit hard. Mm -hmm. So I like that OSP, even though he's cutting the weight, it's still, he's still got a solid jaw. His jaw's still not, he's not glass jawed. Yeah. I kind of think that too. And I also think that, um, Sometimes we hear the guys when they're way out of their weight class, especially from like 205 to heavyweight, they don't feel the get up for the fight when they don't have the weight cut before it. They've never not had that in their body. So there's something that lacks a little there. Um, Maybe I'm being biased a little. I want to pick OSP again. I see everything about Minifield being right here. I see everything about Minifield being dangerous. I just... If you ask me who has a bigger glass jaw, Devin Clark or OSP, I say Devin Clark all day. You all can pretend you can not see what you don't want to see. I still see the real Devin Clark. And when he gets up there to those higher caliber people, we're going to see it again. We've just seen him bear people and he like we everyone remembers his legs. And so, yeah, I just don't think he's Devin Clark ain't all that. And he hasn't shown me too much yet inside the octagon. And I don't know if I'm just being drinking the haterade, the Devin Clark haterade. Uh, so many feel that loss to him was a big, huge, like, whoa, um, if you couldn't get one good shot off on Devin Clark to knock him out or get him hurt enough to do anything of damage, um, I got to give OSP a little bit of credit here that he could burn you out in the first round. And if you're not safe with OSP, if you come in wild or if you lose a little bit of your strength in the first round, I think OSP can get a couple of leg kicks in too. I think you could be caught up in an OSP sub. Ugh. Shit, this is the hardest fight for me to pick out of every fight tonight. Super um, tough one. But I, do, I don't see a decision. I think it finishes by submission or a knockout. It's midfield by a knockout or St. Prue by a submission. And it's just because if St. Prue does turtle up, take some big shots, plan everything right, uh, go into that second round, let Minifield take the first round, take some of the power out of him, go into the second round and do what we see him do where he looks like he's like um, 
he plays possum and then he comes back and gets the three strike combination and then gets the guy into a wacky thing. The thing I don't like about OSP, it's almost like he sets himself up to lose a decision and wait for that flash submission. That's where I can't well, go with him. I don't right see there. him wrestling the same way I see Devin Clark grinding out. It's just like he's looking for that flash sub. He almost has that Paul Craig about him with a little more talent and skills. You know, he's just higher caliber. Um, it makes me lean toward Minifield. Like, he wants to plan things out. He wants to prove himself. I think he is new blood in the UFC. I'm going to go with Minifield knockout. I think he does um, add up some good body shots. I think uh, OSP, I don't see him with great takedowns he has to catch somebody with that von flu choke none of us ever see it coming um so give me mini field i'm gonna go knockout round one wow 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 talked your way out of that one for sure definitely like how I, we saw the process in the gears <sighs> turn there the weigh-ins is going to be crucial on that one as well. On DraftKings, the slight favorite, minus 120. Menafield, 8,300 against Dovin St. Preux, 7,900. Even money right now as far as the betting line. Actually, plus 110 on the real live line for OSP. So, buyer beware. Uh, DraftKings, it's right in the middle, I think. The actual well, I you got to have both sides of it because they both are live for the finish. They want it's a mission or knockout, as you're saying. Um, but I'm going decision in that one. So creepy, crazy, weird, gross fight. And then we have the main event at 265 pounds, where Alistair Overeem comes in against. I don't know if you could even pull it up in front of you. Um, what weird question? Go for it. Uh, when was the last time OSP won a decision? Oh, not – let me see. I can – I know I can pull that up. And if you – It's not going to be – We can even give uh, you pull-up music. Zoltan. Oh, I can't blow my hands up. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so OSP's last decision is going to be officially a Von Flu choke. No, straight arm lock. Wow. Decision. Rafael Cavacante, 2016. Four wow, years ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, and that's only one decision. Before that, he even had all knockouts. All knockouts and submissions. He's gone to decision four times. Four times in his career. Four so times. You're really putting it out there by going with the decision. I'm just trying to that's save your call. fight pick championship. It ain't worth it either because it's less points. Well, well, that's what he won. He won a decision. He's lost. His losses are mainly decision as well. That's how he loses splits. He can't win a split to save his life. So that's where I would say, since the points are so much less for a decision on the fight pick championship than they are right. for going with the knockout or submission, don't pick that D with OSP. That would be my fight pick championship <laughs> piece of advice to everyone out there this week. And if I'm going to tell it to you, then everybody, hey, that would be my... You might be changing my mind to Menifee KO. 
the research no, is going to keep up No, even if you go with on. him, even if you think right. it's going to be him, to just pick in. a sub. Right. <laughs> I don't want to change your whole pick because I think it, it, it nuts. There's been so much tape study, so much contender series, so much underdog stuff, so many debuters. I'm floating in a world of MMA right now, and it's a, just kind of a fog right now. <coughs> it is a good fog, though. A very hazy, purple, dank, stanky fog. I was so, just about to say, that's marijuana. That ain't MMA. <laughs> 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 that's MMA-marijuana. <laughs> so, the main event's going to get extra stanky here with Alistair Overeem against Augusta Sakaya 265. We know what we're getting with the longtime veteran, the Reem, at 46 and 18 against Augusta Sakai's 15 and 1. I have been making a ton of money on Sakai. Coming out at 6-3, I know he's been at Black House. I know he's been training in the States. I don't know specifically with who. Last beating, even off in a dirty split, beating Tybur in a TKO, Arlovsky, Sherman in a TKO. Um, Sakai is a Muay Thai striker, likes that tie clincher plum, the behind the head reach, goes for the knees well there, even has good elbows out of that clinch there. Um, but... His serviceable takedown defense has really been against limited competition, and it hasn't that good. Uh, I feel like better fighters can easily start to take him down once they really start chaining on there. And I feel like there is definitely uh, a grinding grittiness to Sakai where I feel like people have hit him with a two-by-four in the head, and he keeps walking. He just keeps walking forward, pushes you up against the fence, and turns it into a dirty boxing type of a match. Where here, Alistair Overeem, it's crafty enough to be able to circle out of those positions, lands his jabs in, land his low kicks on the ground. If Overeem gets this to the ground, he is by far such a better fighter that that would only be the smartest thing to do, and it should be a submission round number two or three. But Overeem's chin is something that is always going to be on the table. And Sakai, in that clinch, even though they're not the strongest shots, he can rattle Overeem at this stage of his life. Not only is he talking about retirement, as Evil Twin was saying, but he just realizes, like, there's a limit here. And he's been fighting since he was 18. We saw him go from 185 to 265 on horse meat. That's got to do a number on your heart. And he's been finished arguably as many times as anyone. I think he's up there for the most finished losses in the UFC history or overall history overall. Like, when he loses, it's by knockout. So, always got to put that up there, but... The advantages are just so vast. It's it's essentially a puncher's chance for Sakai here. I think Overeem has all of the advantages other than the chin. So for that fact, I got to have 10% exposure for to Sakai regardless of what it is. But I am going to be going with Alistair Overeem via submission. I'm going to go round number two. I'm going to say the smart thing. If he's saying it, he he's not going to go in there and try to strike. He's going to be like, let me take this guy down and guillotine him. I'm really good at that. I won Pancreas with that. Let's do that. Isn't that what we always say about Overeem, though? Is Every why time. doesn't he take someone to the ground? Every time. <laughs> and he did it to Wall Harris after he almost got finished. He finally took him down and ground and pounded him. I do like everything that Overeem's been putting together over his last few fights, and I know that's crazy to say at 40. Um, Walt Harris, we saw him at a really weird situation. That was quick work. Um, and then the Rosenstruck, 
He's a hype train to me that never, it's almost like he built the hype train off that knockout with Alistair Overeem. Sakai kind of has that kind of power um, that Rosenstruck uh, has. I got to think Overeem's more talented, but the UFC is really pushing for uh, Sakai. Sakai's not a five-round fighter, right? We haven't seen him in a five-round fight. We have not. The broadcast says it ended. Huh. Weird. I still have it running Wonder on if we my hit a side. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's saying my actual. Sorry. We haven't seen him in a five-rounder uh, there. Oh, did we fall off um, Twitch? That, it's, I'm looking at it. It says live, but the actual image said the stream has ended on my as far as where I was chatting with people there for a bit. Oh, well, um, let me yeah. check it out. If I, see, it says, Let me see. I feel like I see us live on air right now, but maybe it's old. Huh. Hold on, everyone. I'm going to stop stream and start it again without stopping record. And our lovely audience is used to production problems sometimes because what am I, Steven Spielberg? No, I don't touch children. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't even streaming. That was just a little extra for the Lappy audience. <laughs> and um, you can tell me if we come back on live but for the regular lab audience um there's big changes coming up coming up you know we like to keep it changing and like fresh always. around here like always yeah so um i don't know how much we want to um include them in with or tell them as we need to um but we might be changing the name of the podcast because of censors and everything that happened way back when by being lesbo and bean and you know we are in cancel culture world and um we thought it was going to be something we could fight back against but the internet is like no no fun so we get banned on some things because of that name so we might be changing the name and changing the look but we will keep you guys updated with everything and we've told you guys we were going to change the name i feel like for years but then we got lazy right, we about it. it soft. We went we went soft and went lat B to just kind of be like, okay, well, we'll keep homage. But yeah, we just kind of got to distance ourselves from it, unfortunately, in this PC culture. Yeah. So, but we're gonna go hard uh, in the paint, and our our oldest fans can always call us that because it'll be really funny in chat rooms for you guys to jump in, and they'll be like, damn, they just called her a lesbo. <laughs> <laughs> um but and we just want a kind of a new fresh look and everything and we've been working on it for a while and maybe some of you know about it already maybe you don't but um so you'll see that coming and we'll be dropping it on both streams simultaneously so we'll give you guys enough chance to get over there without missing out on the content so we'll keep you informed and that will be probably coming to you maybe through september and it won't all happen at once. It'll be all the way through. So we're like Joe Rogan going to Spotify. <laughs> the money it's, is obviously why. It's close to the same. So um, <laughs> you got a little less on the contract. Just a, a small less. amount. But it's going to be like that kind of changeover. Where you guys might have to like cancel one stream, upload another stream. But it's all going to be the same content. And if you have both streams and you listen to them, you'll be like, oh, this shit's all the same. And you'll be able to drop one. But eventually, Lappy MMA will be gone. But we'll give you plenty of time to know about that. And you'll be able to always follow us on Zoltanite at Twitch. So... 
yeah, we're not going, we don't have to be done with it yet. I just wanted to drop that info before we got out of there. So Zoltanite on Twitch, so we have to say this. Zoltan! Okay, so um, I think I'm going to go with Overeem Decision. I actually have Overeem Decision as well. Uh, I Like I'm saying, I want that submission to happen, but ugh, Sakai's a tough guy. He's a grinder in there, and he's not going to quit. Uh, I, he's just outmatched, and it's just that puncher's chance. So on DraftKings, I think I'm going to go with the minus 195 hit favorite 8,800 against the guy 7,400. I do feel like Overeem's an option here. I'm more comfortable doing OSP as an underdog, doing who's another Turner as an underdog, and or Delima potentially than I am Sakai. Yeah, I, you know, the weird thing about Sakai, if there was some bet you could make, he's not going to get finished. I don't see Overeem as getting a knockout, any potential here. I, I see on tapology.com, the fight that the site we use to do all of our picks, I see that that's the heaviest favorite. Overeem knockout is how most people have it finishing. I just don't see that. I see Sakai's a young enough dude and he's getting better and better and better. better. And plus, like you're saying, he's a grimy fighter. He is hard. I just can't see him getting finished in there. I got a decision as well. So I don't think you're wrong there. Throughout the night, is there any spots we talked about it? Oops, I didn't even mean to touch Whoa. that. That was just a, that was all on. <laughs> Perfect timing. That was the Angels did that. <laughs> but um, let's see, on... underdogs. I have so many throughout the night. I like Cole Smith a little bit. Tons. I maybe it's just the lock of the nights, the people that we think are going to be the best. I feel like for me, it was definitely going to be Pereira, Kelleher, but a lot of people. Well, it's Pereira at 8,200 on DraftKings. It's Pereira. I know it's a weird one, you guys. It is weird. I think you put a little Sarge on there, you pepper some Sarge. It's a weird one, but I just think it she's... is a weird one. She's a little better. Um, she's gone against a little better caliber of fighters. Um, mm -hmm. She has, absolutely. I might stay away from O. Vincent Pru Minifield on my tap or on my DraftKings. I'm going to have exposure to both sides because I think it's a finish either way as we're kind of more, you're talking me out of it, the decision either side. It's a knockout or a submission or a knockout for OSB, but it's a finish. So I, I think it's 10 and 10% as far. But again, as we're saying, Evil Twin saying it, everyone's saying it, enjoy the fights. Don't put heavy money on it. Don't put the rent on it. You need it for rent before anything else. So do that. And we got many cards on the way. We got many other spots. There's some fun little shots here and there, but this is not a heavy bettable card. I 100% agree. This is a sit back, enjoy the fights, have a chill weekend. Maybe if you're up late with insomnia, you turn into fights of the round table and you congratulate one of the people from Lat B for coming in first place. 
(laughs) 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 And um, yeah, I guess be safe out there. Take care of your neighbors. Love each other a little bit. I realized my new thing, instead of peace and love, I like truth and love. Truth and love. (laughs) Let me 